0: Hello, all, and welcome to today's episode of PhD Addicted to Research. We are PhD students uh, that are funded by the Society for the Study of Addiction, and we have come together to provide this podcast series for you. So, my name is Dan, and I'm going to be your host for today, and I'm joined by the lovely Marva and Joanne. Would you both like to introduce yourself?
1: Uh, My name is Marva, and I am a third year PhD student at the University of Exeter, and um, my research is on Uh, rumination in alcohol use disorders as a risk factor basically
2: and I'm Joanne Pudifat and I'm a third year PhD student at the University of Liverpool Um, and my research tends to just tends to focus on uh, the sort of social patterning of alcohol and mental health comorbidity
0: That's lovely. Thank you. And my name is Daniel Ranson and I'm from the University of East London, studying the mechanisms of alcohol addiction and exploring how the neural circuits work and how we can stop addiction from occurring. So thank you both for joining us today. Um, On today's episode, we're going to be talking about PhD symposiums and also annual uh, conferences that are held. So for all of you listening, um, the three of us have recently been to the Society for the Study of Addiction's annual conference week. Um, together we, jo- uh, we joined others and came together for the PhD symposium, followed by two days of the annual conference. Um, Joanne, would you like to explain a little bit about the SSA's uh, annual conference week? What does it entail?
2: Yeah, so the SSA conference week, um, it consists of firstly one day of um, a PhD symposium um, and that's really for PhD students um, to present their work um, or any planned work that they've got going on uh, at any stage of their PhD um, and it's quite a nice informal environment for PhD students and um, see what else is uh, what else is going on um, in the field of addiction research Um, and then that's usually followed by two days um, of an annual conference so that's kind of opened up to um, not just PhD students but um, you know um, other researchers in the addiction field Um, and it's kind of although it's uh, focused on addiction it's addiction itself is actually quite a wide-ranging topic so it covers loads of different things um, and it's a a bit more formal just given the sort of nature of the people attending and the talks that are presented. Um, But yeah so it's three days, it's full on but it's nice, it's a nice three nice three days and you get kind, you get to know people because what you find is PhD students tend to go to both the symposium and the conference as well so it's a really cool way of networking.
0: Absolutely. And of course, and of course, this year, it was all online for our yes. um, our first time um, doing an online conference as mm. well. Uh, how did you find that, Marva?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that it was organised really well, um, considering this is probably the first time they've done something like this. So for the PhD symposium, we did it over Zoom because obviously there were less of us there. And, um, it, you know, we had like different rooms um, for different sessions. So I think that worked well um some things are a little bit trickier to get online though um so we were meant to have like a social event by the end of the day on the phd symposium and i'm well not embarrassed but i'm i must admit that i haven't been able to go to it because i was just really (laughs) tired by the end of the day um so you know normally like if i were there at the conference i would have probably gone to the social meal at the end of the day with the phd symposium group because it's just a really nice way to like you know get to know people in a more informal setting and meet other phd researchers um so i think they did the best they could with the circumstances um at the moment obviously um so yeah
0: i was just going to say that obviously the comparison between online and in person we have we have been lucky enough to have both experiences and I think that despite the fact the the social element was Mm. not so great um being online it was still a fantastically organized conference Mm. and um I am luckily enough not to be biased in a sense that I have also attended other conferences online and I think that Um, the overall quality of conferences that have been uh, held online, um, again, because of the pandemic, not by choice. Um, I think the standard has been very high and everybody has made the best of a bad situation. (laughs) And research is definitely still being disseminated and people are still connecting, just in new and different ways. Um, So I, I definitely wouldn't, say no uh, or put anybody off attending an online conference I definitely think there's still so much to be uh, taken away from attending those would you both agree that it's still good to go to these online conferences or do you Mm. feel like it's not worth it and you're missing out compared to what we normally have?
1: I mean I think it's definitely worth going because obviously there are benefits of online conferences as well because you can do it from the comfort of your home and you know you don't have to spend any money getting there or you don't have to spend time getting there sometimes people do enjoy doing those things you know I actually <laughs> really like going to Newcastle last year but you know it's also benefit um, <laughs> because you have to pay the conference fees and the accommodation so if you don't have them If you can't get funding, that's actually quite an expensive thing. And it's nice to be able to attend these um, conferences in a more accessible way. Um, I've attended Mm -hmm. like not just online conferences, but there's so many been so many events that would have normally happened in London. And I probably wouldn't have gone to all of them because it just costs too much to go back and forth for a day. Um, But I think something like this makes it a little bit more accessible. So I I definitely think it's worth
2: attending for sure yeah i think um as well it's it's just quite convenient so again i hadn't done been to really any online conferences before this year and for example and it just means that you can also still do bits of work if you need to so for example mm-hmm. um the day before the symposium i had a participant get in contact with me to do it to arrange an interview. And they only proposed like the next day um, that they were free to do one. And obviously when it comes to participants, you just have to work around them, uh, which is fine. Um, and because it was online, I was able to still go to the conference and then just dip out of it for an hour or two to then do the interview. So, you know, mm. and if, if I was at a conference, face to face i wouldn't have been able to do that um so it's it it's handy in those other ways as well because you might find that a conference happens at a time when you've got a million things that need to be done which feels like all the time at the moment sometimes yeah (laughs) but you can kind of you can see what the schedule is and see you know if if you need to have a meeting or you, you are testing the participant or something like that. I think
0: I think that's such an important point you've just made there that you can be flexible. um Historically, when I've been away to conferences, whether it be abroad or in this country, it's always a block of time that you almost take out of your calendar, and you it's sort of a you know you have an out of hours. <laughs> it's important as well because not yeah. everybody who does a PhD is is young. Uh, people have commitments. You might be older. You yeah. might have a family. You might have. Children, or you might be a carer to people, um, and you can do all of this and be part of the experience from the comfort of wherever you are. and I think that's so great as well. One thing, I, one negative I can think of straight away is that I, you know, you, you miss out on the food. I had to yeah. make do with a sandwich from the kitchen, which wasn't quite the same, but uh, mm, hopefully, it all will so be true. reinstated next year and uh, normal culinary <laughs> cuisines will be back to normal. Um, so, let's go on a little bit and talk um. about the PhD symposium in specific. <laughs> So the PhD Symposium, as Joanne uh, described at the beginning, is important for PhD um, students and uh, maybe masters or early career researchers. And, mm. you know, they are designed to support um, early career researchers. So as PhD students yourselves, what did you what did you guys think of um think of the event as a whole. You've already told me about your experiences or about how it was run, but what do you get out of going to a conference or an event just for people who are exactly like you?
1: Um, So I think it's just a really nice supportive environment to present your research. I'm someone who does get a little bit anxious about making presentations. And I, I think I would find it quite daunting maybe to do a presentation in front of a much bigger audience and also much more... Um, senior researchers let's say like we shouldn't be we shouldn't necessarily be feeling afraid but I guess that's just me as a person um, how I am in terms of presentation so I find it a little bit more um, encouraging and supportive in the PhD PhD, um, symposium environment Um, and yeah I think that's my take on it. Yeah,
0: that's that's such a good point. That's such a good point. I know that I've been to this. This was my fourth um, SSA PhD symposium that I've been to. I was lucky enough to to go in the first year that it started, and I've had three in person, one online. That's something that I would definitely say uh, and agree with, Martha, is that it's such a supportive community and you get to know people and because of mm. that you you get a chance to present your research in an environment where you wouldn't normally so if the com- mm. competition to present an oral presentation is too great at the main conference event there's an opportunity mm. for you to do so um, at the PhD symposium and that might be because a there wasn't enough time or space for you to do so or purely because like you said maybe you was too anxious to to go out there and take the plunge and present to um everybody in the field that's mm, such a good point definitely. do you do you think the same joanne do you think that there's a there's an element of uh, community spirit so to speak amongst um masters phds and early career researchers at these yeah symposiums? yeah
2: definitely and also um just um you know it's quite easy sometimes i think as a phd student to feel a bit insecure about your work or where you're at and um it's nice to be able to talk to people who are you know might not everyone's PhD is different and and, and whatnot, but it's nice to be able to just see where other people are at and to chat to them about things that are going on. And, you know, even people that are doing things in a similar field to you and, you know, chatting to them about, you know, your experiences of conducting, you know, some similar research or whatever. And, you know, being able to have that sort of chat between with someone who, and again, with them being, you know, perhaps... it's quite a more informal environment. It just feels a mm-hmm. bit more like y- you can be quite honest with yourself and with other people about things that you're struggling with, or if there's like a particular research topic that you're not quite sure of, mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah, definitely, absolutely, definitely.
1: I think there's um. There's also an opportunity to network, like you said, Joanne, with other PhD students. And even in the online symposium, I had like two people. One I already kind of knew from the SSA symposium last year, actually, and another person I hadn't met before who asked me some things about my research because they were interested in a similar topic. So it was nice to have that opportunity to sort of talk to people who are doing similar research or who are using similar methods um, and develop your own networks, really.
0: Um, yeah yeah definitely networks are key that's something we've said in numerous uh, podcast episodes now that networking is key whether it be in your own institution or or a further field ultimately the the, especially the field of addiction when you uh, break it down we are not actually that big and everybody seems to have a a, a branch into somebody else's uh, tree so to speak and and that's important not only for career options and Um, collaborations but also for your you know your career goals and aspirations moving around and uh, Mm. collaborating with funders and all this kind of stuff so that's great Um, and one thing that I've noticed when I've um, not only been through 2020 with the pandemic um, I've also been experiencing these PhD symposiums coming up um, a lot more and they've been a sideline to the main conference so I'm Mm. so glad that organisers and institutions are seeing that the need for the PhD symposium and that it's important to to nurture Mm. to train and give confidence to us PhD students because ultimately we're the next generation of people to come up and it's it's so great that people are supporting us Um, so people need to take advantage of these don't they. Mm.
1: Speaking of the um, upcoming PhD symposiums I think Sarah fox had mentioned that there is going to be one in manchester metropolitan university with the substance use um uh, substance use research group i can't remember the full name of it but um that's something to keep in mind we'll try and add like a link to it or something because it might appeal to some of the people who listen to this
2: yeah
0: yeah we'll put that in the description so check it out
2: Today's podcast, we are joined by a special guest, Dr Inga Kersbergen, who is an SSA-funded research fellow at the University of Sheffield, Um, and Inga's also been on the SSA PhD Symposium Committee since 2019. Uh, So thank you very much for joining us, uh, Inga. It's great to have you in the podcast today. It's
3: great to join you. (laughs) Um,
2: So... I've been to a few of the PhD symposiums um, over the last couple of years um, and I wondered what goes into organising a PhD symposium? There's uh,
3: lots lots of things that we need to do behind the scenes so obviously um, if it's face to face uh, you need to organise a place for it to be But yeah, you need to to organize the day, you need to make a schedule. So we need to make sure that we have students who are submitting abstracts to us and we turn that into a program for the whole day. Um, We also do a workshop or panel discussion um, at each of the PhD symposia. Um, So we try to organize that. So we need to organize, uh, think about what we are going to do, invite speakers, uh, make sure it all fits the time and things like that. And then on the day itself, we get to um, sit back, enjoy, share some sessions. Um, but yeah, really then it's up to the students to, uh, to do the hard work and the work is done for us.
2: <laughs> that sounds like there's a lot of like sort of cogs to kind of bring together. Um, how has it been organizing a virtual one this year? Um, I mean, having attended the virtual one, Uh, this year and then attended it in person it was quite cool there were some benefits to having it to attending one um online this year but i wondered how different has it been organizing a virtual one for you
3: well yeah of course we had to change gear all of a sudden Um, for a while we were considering whether or not it was going to go ahead face to face in november and i think we all naively hoped at the start that it would um, but it soon became clear that we couldn't. And then we had to figure out what platform we would use, um, how it would match up with the main SSA symposium. Um, so yeah, we had to do lots of different things there. But we like you said, there's been lots of benefits. And one of the main benefits on our side is that we were able to double the number of delegates who could join. Um, so normally, face to face, there's about a maximum of 40 delegates we can host um, okay. at the conference, but we had um more than 85 delegates um, this year because um, the only limit really is the license on the hosting platform so there's no physical limitation to how many people can join and that's been great and what made it a lot of extra work is that obviously we also had a lot more speakers um, who wanted to present and we tried to accommodate everyone and we managed to um, in the end but it was a lot of calculating and measuring how much time we could give everyone and how much time there would be for questions and things like that to all fit it within the, the schedule we have set with an in-person event in mind.
2: Yeah. I know that's really interesting. That's a really great turnout, like haven't been able to have double um, the amount of people come as well. Um, and I know from being a PhD, a former PhD student yourself to, you know, being a research fellow now, what would you say is important to you when it comes to thinking about what to include in a, in a symposium?
3: So for me, it is important that the people who want to present get the chance to present. Um, I know that many PhD students uh, often have very few opportunities to present to an audience that, that is not their research group um, during their PhD. Um, and it can be very daunting to do that in front of an audience of you know full-grown academics Um, So I think it's really nice to have an opportunity where you could present to other PhD students No matter at what stage of your PhD you're in Um, So it's very important to me that um, everyone who wants to present gets to Um, Then obviously what's also really good um, about Symposia like this is that you get to meet your peers at other academic institutions and they might be the people you want to work with later or want to go on and write a bid with uh, and things like that so it's great to be able to meet PhD students who are working on similar topics um, as you as you're going to be sort of the future generation um, of researchers in this area.
2: Yeah that was one thing um, I really enjoyed this year was uh, there was space to kind of I think there was like a specific session where we could as PhD students um you know there was sort of platforms where you could get a hold of like the their email addresses and the twitter handles if they allowed us if they provided that information um, so it was like a really good way of being able to keep an eye on it follow what, what someone who's working in a similar research field um and that I could then follow up on, you know, should, should anything relevant come up in, you know, at a later time. Um, that's something that I've really enjoyed about the symposium. Another thing I quite liked as well was the careers panel. Um, it was, yeah, really interesting to kind of get everyone else's take on, you know, the sort of trajectories that they can take post PhD, because that's ultimately something that we always have to plan for, I suppose.
3: I'm really glad you like that. Um, that was, um, I'm really pleased with how that turned out. Um, I think that was one of the benefits of doing it online, um, was that we were able to have a wide range of speakers. So, um,
2: and I wondered. So I've never been involved in sort of organising a symposium, but what is it like being backstage on the day of a symposium? I know you mentioned that sounds like it's a little bit more relaxed how how do you find it on the day i i usually just really enjoy it um especially i think as a
3: chair i found sharing easier face to face than online i think online um, there are a few struggles such as um you can't edge closer to the stage when someone is going over their time so you have to be a (laughs) bit more brutal and actually talk over them Um, but in general, I just really enjoy listening to what the PhD students have to say. And then like you see that everything is going well, hopefully, and all your hard work before the symposium has paid off. And you just get to enjoy and listen to a series of great talks. And that was the same this year. I was, I'm always impressed with the standard of uh, presentation. And it was uh, just the same this year, maybe even more, because I find it really hard to present online when I don't get, to see my audience respond to me, and I think everyone did absolutely brilliantly.
2: Yeah, it is sometime, I is sometimes I present at a different symposium um, earlier on in the year, and it, it was kind of weird presenting my slides um, to people like a, a, a screen, I suppose. And also, I think for me, as well as um, just hoping that my presentation slides move on to the next, uh, <laughs> move on to the next slide because there's no it person there to kind of jump in and um and help me um that was probably one of my biggest anxieties with it being on a sort of virtual platform um and i guess for anyone any of our listeners that might be thinking about organizing a symposium what sort of top tips do you have for them i would
3: definitely say start at least a month before you think you need to start (laughs) <laughs> um and it's good to um have a timeline of when you expect things to be in um it it takes an awful lot of time to read abstracts and to then put them into a, a schedule um and i every year it surprises me how much time it takes um so that is something you should budget time for um and then the other thing i would say is if you're organizing an event that already has been organized in the past is to really get up, try to get a hold of all the feedback that's been given and um, see what feedback you want to take on board um, for the next session and that's been great we've had we've got years worth of feedback on the SSA PhD symposium so we we've we know what students liked and disliked about previous ones and then we can use that to make it better. Um, but if anyone wants some very In-depth, detailed advice. They can always get in touch with me, Um, and I'm happy to share my experience with different platforms and different ways of running things.
2: Well, thank you very much for chatting with us, Um, and I can also confirm that I submitted my feedback form as well. So, um, thank you very much. And yeah, I look forward to next year's one, which might be face-to-face, might be virtual. We never know these (laughs) these days. Great. Well, thank
0: you very much for having me. Thank you. Um, so being an addiction uh, researcher, I have to ask the question, what research stuck out for you at the symposium? Tell us about yeah. some PhD research work that's been going on in the field.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think from, there's a few that stuck out, but um, and to be honest, when it comes to... Com- like symposiums, symposiums and conferences. I also quite like uh, going to talks that are like not in my area at all. Um, mm. But one that really stuck out stuck out to me was um, Olivia Sexton's presentation on contextual characteristics of heavy drinking occasions, and it was like um, an ethnography of sort of thinking about characteristics of you know heavy drinking occasions but in an online forum and it was quite interesting especially because you know we do have all these online forums and there's like the development of online interventions and things like this um, and she was looking at how sort of people describe their drinking heavy drinking occasions and it was really mm. it was cut it was actually kind of relevant to some stuff that I've just been doing um, we used a similar method. And um, it wasn't quite a full-blown ethnography, but some of the methods were very similar.
0: Well, that's fantastic. It it sounds interesting as well, and I'm sure Olivia will appreciate all the PR effort you just gave her, Joanne. (laughs) What about you, Marva? Is there anybody that you would like to give a shout-out to and what you found (laughs) interesting?
1: Um, So one of the presentations that I I thought was really good was by Rachel Lees on um, treatment of cannabis use disorder. So this is not necessarily particularly relevant to my research area per se um, but I think it was an opportunity to hear some you know other research in the field and I thought like the way she'd presented the data um, was really neat and it sort of seemed to be quite an important gap in the literature and I think she's um, in the second year of her PhD so she kind of said how this would inform her PhD going forward so I think that was quite nice so she looked at different um, psychosocial and pharmacological interventions for cannabis use disorders Um, and it seemed that actually one of the um, interesting findings was that there was no psychopharmacotherapy um, not psychopharmacotherapy sorry there was no pharmacotherapy um, license for use in the in cannabis use disorders so I think this will be an interesting area of research going forward yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds really interesting novel and obviously really exciting for the addiction field going forward. Um, yeah. One thing that stood out for me was from the, um, of the SSA um, conference week was during the main conference. I loved mm-hmm. Professor Nora Valkoel's, um work on drug abuse and it was much more relevant to my area of research. So I was being a bit selfish in focusing on that um, mm-hmm. because she looks at the, the, um, The idea that drug addiction is a disease of the brain, uh, which is sometimes Mm. um, controversial in the addiction field, Um, but that's of interest for me. And she spoke about her work on how the disruption of the dopamine system um, in addiction uh, is characterised and the consequences of such a disruption to the mechanism. um, has a, has an impact on function of the, the human brain so that was really interesting to me so we've got lots of different mm. uh, elements of addiction as um, I hope you listeners can understand and see that it's such a big um, and broad field with so many different um, elements coming into play we have um, yeah. psychologists social workers we have sociologists we have uh, molecular biologists we have uh, neuropharmacologists it's such a um you know it's such a diverse field and this is the beauty of having these events isn't it it's coming together and seeing people that you wouldn't necessarily uh come into contact with um, and sometimes mm-hmm. there's a uh, you know service providers we have patients attend and give uh, um give talks and it's it's so interesting i really really love the um the conference week that the ssa mm-hmm. holds um,
1: definitely i just want to say that um uh, I like Nora Walker's talk as well, but I think there was the talk on the final day by Carl Hart was um, it was an exact contrast to um, Nora's talk. I thought that was really interesting because they were obviously both very um, sort of convinced of their own views of their own um, yeah. uh, interpretations of the evidence, I guess. Um, so it was nice, it was interesting to see that contrast between the two very different. Um, approaches to addiction right so I think Carl Hart was generally making the argument that from my understanding um, social factors sort of perhaps determine um, why someone might get addicted but also the fact that necessarily drug use is not necessarily a bad thing and maybe by policing it and uh, By um, I guess punishing people, we're almost making it worse. Um, I think some of um, he was arguing that some of the research that shows, or in his words, exaggerates drugs' harm, is um, leading to some social inequality. So I thought that was quite a um, different talk than Nora's. Anyway, so it was interesting to see that. Yeah,
0: and it was it's really interesting. It was interesting to hear how, like you said, different the opinions were. Um, but it's also important to know that both are globally recognized and accredited researchers. So yeah. two people at the peak of their, their careers and, uh, the, you know, respect level in the field, um, if they were a top Trump, they would definitely be a hundred, um, and <laughs> they would definitely win against other cards. But it's important that to know that they have different opinions and that's totally okay with research mm. as well, just because somebody's, um, got a different opinion it doesn't necessarily mean that one is wrong and the other is right it just means that that's Mm. a you know a matter of um debate that you can focus on and research to your heart's content right Um, and i think that's an important note for any phd researchers listening that it's okay to have different opinions um that's a take-home message yeah yeah so Mm. with with online um with online conferences, we've said about the PhD Symposium, sometimes it lacks that communication and networking. How did you guys network uh, throughout the day then, if that was an element that's so important to our our daily lives and our, um, our calendar event?
1: Um, I just want to say there was a function to network uh, during the conference, which I think was a great idea. But... I don't know. I was too, I was too petrified by it. So I didn't end up, I didn't end up using it. And I think not, unfortunately, not many people did. Yeah, I'm
0: gonna hold my hands up and say that I was brave enough to take the plunge. And I actually spoke to a very nice gentleman who was a master's student. And he was thinking about doing a PhD. And I managed within my three minute speed date session to shamelessly plug PhD addicted to research and he was Great. very happy so if you're listening hello I met you at the conference <laughs> lovely to hear you listening if you're not you're missing out so whoever you are find him and get him to listen <laughs> We've discussed loads today um, and I think we, we're all in agreement that PhD symposiums are awesome um, no matter what organisation um, is providing them and it's a great tool for networking and also to have your opportunity to shine with people um, just like you who are at the beginning of their careers and uh, early on in their research and it's, it's a great way to publicise your research. Um, I'd like to thank you both for joining us today on PhD Addicted to Research. I think I'd like to thank you all for listening and I will see you all in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
2: Perfect. Thanks for nice us. Having us.